This is episode 17 of the Remix Your World podcast with Robin Monroe. Welcome to Remix Your World. I'm Allison Kalagna, global DJ and music producer turned life remixer and personal growth coach. In each episode, we bring you real talk, inspiring stories, and heartfelt conversations of personal transformation to help you uplift and amplify your life. This is the Remix Your World podcast. Colorado's largest independent graffiti and street art project and event founded by Denver graffiti artist Robin Monroe, Crush, has been taking over the streets of Rhino neighborhood since 2010. With a passion for graffiti and street art as well as his community, Monroe aimed to create an event that showcases the amazing artistic talents he saw not only in Denver, but also across the world. Crush celebrates art, urban beautification, creativity, and culture by enriching our community through an arts festival like no other. We believe that public art leads to an improved community as a catalyst for safety, cleanliness, creativity, and conversation. Centered around empowering artists, Crush is committed to reflecting and diversifying the urban landscape and the unique voice of a community, bringing art out of the galleries and into the streets. Crush started and still finds its home in the Rhino Arts District, which defines itself as a community where art is made. Crush celebrates the craft of graffiti and street artists who bring life to walls while maintaining the unique cultural identity in this rapidly evolving community. The annual event transforms streets and alleys into open-air galleries. Crush raises awareness of the cultural significance and importance of art for all ages and all demographics that may not have had the opportunity to experience it for themselves. Crush offers art inspiration through this urban craft. The organization serves as a forum for community engagement and creative expression, inviting locals and visitors to engage in this rich history and forward-thinking public art in Denver, Colorado. Join the experience during the annual event in September or visit the Crush Walls year-round in the Rhino Arts District. Yo, check this out! What's up, world? It's episode 17 of the Remix Your World podcast with me, Allison Kalagna, and today I'm talking to Crush Walls founder, Robin Monroe. If you don't know about Crush Walls, then I highly encourage you to go and look up crushwalls.org, which I will link up in the show notes, but it's an amazing art experience that happens in Denver every year where street artists, graffiti artists, and Local artists all come together and completely transform the Rhino District in Denver. It is just growing each year, and this year was amazing. They had Shepard Ferry, who was famous for the Hope campaign from Obama in 2008, and another artist that I really have been getting into lately, um, Cryptic, whose vibe has kind of got this like Middle Eastern mystical. It feels very spiritual to me. At least that's how I interpret it. I absolutely love his work. So I was really excited to see those two come to Denver. So without further ado, let's jump on in with Robin. I want to have a conversation with him about how this all came about, how he even started Crush, his own journey as an artist, um, his love for graffiti, and what he feels that he wants to bring into this world through art. So here's my conversation with Robin Monroe. All right, so welcome, Robin. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I am fantastic. How did you feel about our first snow yesterday? Uh, I was pretty excited. Um, it was my. It's, it's allowed a few chances for me to um, use my fireplace for the first time. Nice. And hang out with my my newborn son and my wife and relax and it was funny the the day before i was raking up because maybe a quarter of our leaves fell in our front yard mm. and then after the snow i mean that every single leaf is now on the ground so it's like i just got to go back out there again but you know <laughs> I, I like it it's 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 nice and it's you know it's it's cool to see it starting a little bit early this year maybe we'll have a good season up on the mountain. Yeah, hopefully, because last year was was late. It wasn't. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it, too. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. Do you ski? 
or uh, snowboard? I grew up skiing and snowboarding. I, I first started out skiing, and then when snowboarding came around, I was uh, also a young little skater kid, so nice. I adapted to that pretty quickly um, and fell in love with that. So, yeah, I do a little bit of both, but mostly snowboard. That's awesome. Now, where did you grow up? Are you from Colorado? Well, so I was born outside of Chicago, but I moved here when I was, like, four. Okay. Um, and we lived in uh, Westminster for a while, and then we moved up to Idaho Springs. So I grew up in Idaho Springs, which is a small mountain town. Um, that's where the gold rush began. Hmm. And I graduated in 98 and moved to Denver. Um, but while I was in high school, I also came down here and was in an education school and went to uh, a technical school called Warren Tech and studied graphic design. Nice. Okay. So now did you always, even as a kid, was were you always sketching and drawing? How did, how did you come to find like, oh, wow, this is a gift. This is what I want to do. Oh, so growing up, my mother was an artist and she went to school for um, English and fine arts. Mm. And she used to uh, use us as her muses and, you know, watching Saturday morning cartoons. My <laughs> sister and I would sit there and she would sketch us and draw us. And I was always, you know, fascinated with her work um, and always asking them, inquiring, like, what was it about and why she did it? And, you know, da da da. And um, was super inspired by her. Um, my, my father, on the other hand, was a. a computer science guy uh, and I would ask him to draw something and he, he couldn't draw a stick figure and I would look <laughs> perplexed like I thought everyone had this gift mm. uh, you know so I was inspired as a young as a young man by my mother um, and then you know really into um, comic books and you know that kind of you know uh, type of thing and I was was never like what I would consider like the popular right. type of kid you know I was kind of introverted um uh, I was uh, what they call ADD, which I think is bogus. Right. Um, I was, yeah, you know, it's like a made-up disease. But I was, um, I was dyslexic, but I was also ambidextrous. So I was using both hands to draw, draw um, to write with, and um, you know, it was just an interesting time growing up. So for me, it was sort of an escape. It was like artwork was my way to create my own little world and create my own little environments and, 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 and that sort of thing and, and escape kind of this, you know, mundane um, school system that we had in place. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of like my inspiration. And then, you know, I was into skateboarding and out in the streets and wowing out and, and, and you know, rough little young youngsters. So um, I quickly adapted into um, graffiti art and especially once uh, I started going to Warren Tech. I was, you know, inspired by some some friends and some artists that were there that were you know, into the scene already, and it just blew my mind. It was, it was this encompassing like um, art movement that no one could control or you know try mm -hmm. to um, um, label as, as one thing or another, and it was just like a voice for people who were voiceless, and that kind of inspired me to move forward. Wow. Yeah. So do you remember what it was like when you first like you f saw your first like tagged wall or some sort of graffiti image that you were just like, whoa? Yeah, I, I, I guess it was like more like magazines and, okay. uh, and, and things back then. But, um, you know, when I was in uh, junior high and high school is when the Internet came out and I started, you know, I was able to reach a lot further and to see, you know, what artists were doing and where things were going on around the world and other cities and and that sort of thing, and that kind of just was like awe-inspiring, like seeing not just graffiti and tags and, and writing and stuff like that, but seeing like full uh, productions and full-colored pieces, pieces and like characters, and like uh, it was just amazing to me. Wow. So when did you, so were you, I mean, obviously, so you're starting to do that in school, um, and then were your teachers pretty supportive as well? I mean, I know you had support from your parents but who else were sort of allies for you when you were trying to come up well i didn't do very well in school to begin with um like i said the ADD thing and and uh, dyslexia and um you know once once they start labeling you you know things like that they they start looking at you differently so um in high school i had a, a teacher my art teacher mrs unseld who was a, a huge support um and you know by the time i was like a you know, freshman, junior, I was in, um, you know, senior portfolio already, and she just, you know, had an adoring um, uh, support system in, in that class. Um, and then I was, you know, in and out of trouble, and um, 
I was in, you know, in-school suspension a lot. So my in-school suspension teacher, Mrs. Steele, understood. And <laughs> as long as I could cram out all my work within the first half day um, while I was in, in trouble and in an ISS, and she would just let me draw the whole rest of the day. Oh, wow. And stuff like that. So she was pretty supportive. Um, yeah, so those were the first, you know, kind of people outside of uh, my home life that were supportive in what I wanted to do. And um, Mrs. Unseld was definitely a, a, a huge, huge writer in, in what I had in, as far as being able to evolve and inspire me and stuff. That's amazing. Have you spoken to her since? Yeah, I have not. Um, and I actually heard that she recently had passed away. So, oh. yeah, so that was pretty sad to hear. Um, Mrs. Steele is, is, is still around and um you know we are we're communicating and connected a little bit on um facebook and you know i was probably surprised a lot of people at the, at the success of in my art career mm-hmm. and the uh the evolution of what crushes and um i think uh you know there were there were, there were some that really you know saw something in me but there were others that were skeptical like ah oh, this kid's probably just gonna end up you know in trouble or mm-hmm. in jail or something like that because of you know the direction he's going you know, it was funny, uh, I got in trouble, um, you know, tagging in school and, and, you know, getting caught up in that kind of stuff. And and then uh, about three or four years ago, I got commissioned to paint on some lockers at this um, uh, office space. And oh, wow. it, was, it was pretty surreal to, to go from getting expelled from doing graffiti in school to getting commissioned and paid to do almost the same thing on lockers again as an adult. Uh, <laughs> just kind of put things in perspective a little bit for me. That's amazing. Gosh, I remember yeah. you saying that now. I remember I broke into school once in like sixth grade. I grew up in Dubai um, okay. and I broke into the school and I put markers and white out everything all over the place. And I got so much, I got in so much trouble. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. Like, it was me and my friends were just were just wrecking stuff yeah and um you know everyone kind of used my locker because i didn't use it for books or anything like that you know like so everyone <laughs> used my locker and it was the bottom locker so it's easy if you just hold up um the, the 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 little lever the latch and just kick the bottom corner it'll just pop open mm. you know so everyone kind of had all their stuff stashed in there and and uh, the, the, the school was cracking down and they were pulling people in and pulling people in and they finally pulled me in and then they searched my locker and they found like all of our paraphernalia in there and then I got expelled and I got sent to, uh, you know, um, a different school, um, and, 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 in house kind of treatment, to, you know, problematic kids school down here in Denver, um, and then did a better part of my junior year there. So, um, after that, like my senior year, I kind of got my shit together and, and, and graduated by the skin of my teeth, but still was able to, you know, do so. So, uh, I, I I actually did make my parents proud. I graduated on time and, <laughs> you know, like, uh, was able to, you know, pull through. Oh, that's amazing. So when was this idea, how did the idea even um, come up for you with Crush? What was happening at the time that then you thought, I have to do this? Well, you know, I was I was super inspired by events like Scribble Jam, um, um, things like that. Um, I was heavy into the hip-hop scene in the community. Um, I was... Going to school uh, again for graphic design and was working construction and then soon phased into doing kind of faux finishing, like decorative painting, like in houses and stuff like that, kind of high end painting. Um, you know, I was still skating and, and writing graffiti and, and, and I, you know, being a wild young man. And uh, I became a resident artist at Exto Event Center. And I had been painting murals all over the city, and word of mouth was always, like, the best way to get work. Mm. Um, and a lot of times it was, you know, hey, can we just paint your wall? It looks like you've got a graffiti problem. And then they would just allow us to paint and do whatever we wanted and have free expression. And then that rolled into actually doing, you know, more characters and background stuff and then getting commissioned to do that. So going back to uh, being a resident artist at Exto and Tracks, um, they would hire me to do um, murals on the inside for, you know, different events they were doing, you know, whether it be Halloween or New Year's or Pride or whatever, I would always do like a theme mural yeah. inside for them. So they approached me and said that they had the alleyway privatized and they would they wanted to commission me to do a mural there. So I started thinking, well, this is a great opportunity. Um, so I asked them, hey, you know, 
give me a, a, a stipend for the supply. And instead of, you know, like paying me a stipend, mm. um, help staff an event that I want to do. Mm. So I invited all my friends. The first artist I, I brought out was Scribe mm. uh, with the F crew. And, um, you know, we painted and we had like a little jam and it was all hip hop inspired. It was a break dancing competition, MC battle, wow. beat, beatbox, like beat machine battle. Um, and then just the graffiti art, the highlighted the graffiti art. Um, to me, it was like a lot of times the graffiti artist, you know, that's the hardest medium to, you know, mm-hmm. become relevant in and like make even a living off of. Like people weren't really making a living off of it where, you know, this is the only element that you can get arrested for or like, right. you know, stuff can get pretty crazy on the streets. So to me, it was cool to like, give this this movement a little bit bigger of a voice and where like visual artists a lot of times were always, you know, not getting paid, getting the shaft, you know what I mean? Like, come out for exposure, whatever it may be. Right. We're all fine, but, you know, people die from exposure. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we, uh, you, we're artists. You have to make a living also. <laughs> totally. So to me, it was like this was inspiring for me to help elevate um, that this part of the scene um, and, you know, try to elevate the Denver community because mm-hmm. I felt like the Denver community was overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, There's amazing talent here. And I felt like a lot of times when people started to make it, they would move to New York or mm-hmm. California or somewhere else because, you know, it's just it just was not a huge um, graffiti scene that was recognized, and there wasn't a lot of um, contemporary, a huge contemporary art scene, you know, for lack of a better term, and what mm-hmm. everyone thought like this was a small cow town. Um, so that kind of what is what inspired me to help elevate this um, event. Um, and at the first couple of years, I was trying to figure out, you know, what do I name this? What's the what's the point? You know, like what's what's the direction? Like, how do I make this catchy? Make it, you know, appealing to everyone? And the first the first year, I, I called it Universe Juice, um, <laughs> which is kind of like you know, you get the juice. It's like you're 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 you got it going to you. You're you're it. You're you're making it happen. Yeah. Uh, the second year, I actually ended up moving it. Uh, down a little bit further, I met a gentleman named Ken Wolf, who owned this property further um, south, and had some bigger walls that were easier that, that were easier to see and, and approach. And uh, the, the first year I did it down here it was called Chi Alchemy, mm. and the reason for that was uh, a gentleman that introduced me to Ken owned a gym over here, and it was called Chi. Mm. And um, to me, it was like Chi is like the energy that flows through everything. Yeah. And alchemy is the ability to turn something into, or nothing into nothing something. something. You know, yeah. like being able to just create with the with whatever elements you have, and being able to make you know turn coal into gold type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of um, that kind of evolution that kind of started and ended up being to where it is now. Um, for the short run, um, things have definitely evolved um, over the years with the number of people that I've worked with. Um, and I, I think we can get back into that a little bit further down the road. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing what, where, it, where it has come. So do you remember your first sort of roadblocks that kind of hit, that you came up, came up against and like a moment when you were kind of like, oh, man, I can't do this. This is I'm taking on too much. Um, I think, well, it was it was super heavy graffiti based mm-hmm. for a long period of time. Um, and I had a lot of writers out here from the East Coast, West Coast, and it, there was no street art. Um, and then it quickly started getting to where when we had the event, you know, graffiti was popping up all over during the event and uh, unwanted areas and da 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 And then, and, and, you know, the uh, the light would shine on me like this is something that you're creating and that, you know, you're the cause of this problem when in all reality it was already happening in this neighborhood to begin with. But being now that I was on the forefront of like this evolution of this um, this um, event and this culture, um, I had to kind of step up. Um, so in doing so, I had to allow other types of artwork and artists to come in and help yeah. evolve it. So for the longest time, I was like kind of anti-street art and kind of, mm. you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Those guys are don't know what it's really about. Um, but soon started to open up to allowing street art in um, and, and, and elevating and helping you know street artists and stuff like that which actually turned out to be a blessing uh, because it 
it opened my eyes to a lot more of this world and this culture. Um, how many people maybe even do both, you know, street art and graffiti? How many street artists start out start out as graffiti artists and that sort of thing? So, you know, I had to make an adjustment, um, and and since then, it, it's still about it's about fifty fifty graffiti and street art. But that was kind of the first roadblock was, you know, what what am I doing out here? What am I, you know, like cool, we, we, we got all the community, like the graffiti community to come together and work well together and paint together, you know, but what, what's what's the purpose of this event? Like, what, what I really started to think about what was my end all goal for this event. Right. And so that was some, sort of the first roadblock was, yeah, the graffiti scene needs to be elevated and we need to have a platform, but also, like, there's other people who are in this scene who are, who are doing things and making... Um, amazing moves and amazing artwork that I had, you know, this built up, like, negative connotation about, oh, these, these people mm-hmm. aren't part of culture, but in all reality, we're all pretty much the same. So yeah. that was kind of the first roadblock, and it was, it was hard at first, but it was very rewarding in the end. Yeah. It reminds me of almost like, um, you know, in terms of music, right? So like in club music, it's like you have the mainstream music and then you have underground music, right? And it's like underground kids don't want to, you know, like play with mainstream and vice versa, right? It's like this thing, but like it's, it honestly, it's like the both of it together is what actually brings it to a bigger level because it's like, I've always, you know, somebody had asked me once, they were like, what do you feel about dubstep, right? And like, I'm not a dubstep fan, right? (laughs) And I was always like, listen, whatever, I always felt this way. It's like all of those fad genres or whatever of electronic music always brings people back to house music. So for me, it's like, I don't, you know, I don't care. Let the masses kind of find their way and then they come back to find some things that are kind of raw. So I feel like that in a sense of like the street art and the graffiti in a sense it's like you need like both feed each other you know and I'm, and i and i'm sure there are street artists that are like man i wish i could do more graffiti and then vice versa you know it's like yeah yeah totally <laughs> and even like going back to like growing up and skiing and snowboarding like when snowboarding first came out it was very much sort of that same it was like snowboarding was raw mm. and it was like there were certain resorts that wouldn't even allow snowboarders and you know, this kind of this like rivalry, but it was funny at the same time. It's like you guys are almost doing the same thing, mm-hmm. but you know, you're not too far off from each other. And then nowadays, you see like skiers and snowboarders alike um, riding together, skiing together, you know, like out there on the mountain, jibbing, like hitting <laughs> the same jumps, hitting the same rails, and like supporting each other. And it's just, it's awesome to see. Um, and it's awesome to see that that's kind of evolving within the you know, the, the, the graffiti and street art culture. Um, but at the same time, too, it's like graffiti and, and, and being in the streets and doing this is is a very raw form, and it still can be very dangerous. Mm. That's why you probably see um, less females involved in doing it. Mm. Um, starting to see more and more get involved as, as, a, as a, the, the culture evolves. Um, but again, it still can be very dangerous. You know, you're out there in the streets, you're in alleyways, you're, you know, you're operating huge, heavy equipment and, and street art and stuff like that. And, you know, that's, I think, why it was such a male-driven, dominated, um, mm. you know, movement. Uh, and, you know, for, for a while there, like, you know, women didn't really have much um, as far as, like, equality. And, like, I, I still feel like, um, now the female voice is just really starting to be heard a lot more, mm-hmm. uh, just in in social scenes and, and just around around the United States. Like the women, the women, they're like the, the, the feminine energies is becoming stronger and stronger, which is I think an, an amazing thing. Yeah. And to me, I think it's it could help and it could help, you know, one empowering them, giving them a voice, but two, um, softening this hardened edge of society and, and what the male dominance mm-hmm. is. Um, I think it's it's very important that we celebrate the females and, and, and try to elevate them as much as possible. And which is hard because, you know, a lot of a, a lot of things need to change as far as um, social um, social like norms are concerned. You know, yeah. like even hip hop, it was always like, you know, this bitch, and this hoe and this and that. And the other mm-hmm. and that was more like gangster rap and stuff like that. But. Man, it's just, it's interesting to really see how um, people are really starting to 
awaken to what you know is is real and like you know what they're doing and being more cognizant of what they're saying and what they're allowing themselves to be a part of and listening to and even, even myself now i'm like man there's like music that i'm like i used to love this and now i listen to it and i'm like oh this is poisoning me like right. you know like yeah. <laughs> and i think and i might have to do a little bit too with like having a you know a newborn boy and thinking mm. about you know how i want him to be raised and how you know I, i'm affecting society and the people around me and like my choices no matter how big or small they are um will you know have a great effect on me and to ripple out even further than what I can realize. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's like, you know, it's like we we look back at um, movies that we used to look at as kids, too. And when you watch it now, you're like, holy shit, that was not okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, I, I, look at, I look back at, like the, um, you know, you can't do that on television where, you know, the kids would get slimed and stuff like that. Right. And there's, like a, there's an episode where they're talking about the media and how it's controlling people and it's like brainwashing people. And like, this is a kid's TV show, like in the eighties. Wow, yeah. And like, they were like so ahead of their time. And like, um, they were calling it out then. And like, you know, it's, it's just interesting to see like, uh, what's happening now with the media and like, you know, misinformation and like, you know, you, you can barely, um, trust half of what you hear or even half of what you see now like things can be faked and staged and yeah you know this it's just such crazy times we we live in like you know there's um there's always been a race thing going on and this like mm-hmm. vision and race because of you know these old ways of thinking and, and how our history of, of becoming even what america is uh, is, ba- is based off of you know genocide and based off of you know yeah. um slavery and stuff like that and these are hard truths that we we are facing now still and it's 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 just delicate 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 things that are going on and then not only that you know even even further is you know going back to the whole women's rights it's like man that's half the population Mm -hmm. you know that's racing that's all across the board that you know that you know women weren't being treated properly and and fairly and like it was just this male-driven thing and it's it's interesting to see now again how this feminine energy is starting to take a bigger role in what's going on and and as all these cultures are meshing together and stuff like that, you know it's creating um, a lot of um, uproar and a lot of, of difficult conversations that need to be had and, and by all means you know um, but at the same time it's like um, we, we still need to be gentle how we approach these conversations and talk to each other you know like because. I'm not responsible for what happened, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 right. years ago, just because of the association of my, my right. race, whatever it may be. But there's still that hurt that's been felt and is being felt. And there's still, like, a lot of people out there that feel certain ways and that are racist and that are sexist and are bigots still. And, uh, like, that's a very difficult thing to deal with. But it's, it's, it's amazing that, you know, at the same time with, media and stuff like that that these conversations can be had and like there's no hiding behind anything anymore like people are exposing you know like this and that and the other and this is injustice and that and that, and, that. and i think it's great but again like the, the dialogue needs to be um one that's conducive to change and not yeah. just um furthering the aggression and division um so that's kind of my feel on all that yeah when you speak um, sit down to do a piece, you know, so uh, does all of that kind of come up for you of like, you know, how do you figure out what your intention is for that? You know, each piece is, is extremely different for me and I don't feel like I have an exact certain style that I have um, stuck myself to with graffiti. I have a certain kind of ism and of course there's always going to be a little bit of, you know, in the details, you can tell it's my work. But when I when I think about each piece, it's like, what am what am I trying to achieve? Yeah, mm-hmm. one, uh, I don't really do too much political stuff. Um, a lot of my stuff is based off of dreams or off of um, things that inspire me. Okay. Um, but I try not to um, do any work that's going to be like, um, you know, political topics or hot topics that are happening. You know, and I'm not really that type of street artist. Right. <clears throat> and I, I try not to think too much of like what my target audience is or what I'm trying to portray towards them. 
because I feel like that's not really being true to yourself then. Mm. Um, then this is my own opinion about my work. So yeah. my work is like what's inspiring me and makes me, you know, feel certain ways. Like when I was younger and I was more angsty and more, you know, like angry at the world, it was definitely a little bit darker. But as I've gotten older, it's gotten a lot more softer and a lot more, um, you know, open to the whole public as opposed to just like one certain demographic of people that will appreciate my work. Um, <clears throat> but again, I don't really, I don't really do too much work that's geared towards, you know, political statements or, you know, statements that are about what's going on. I feel like, um, <clears throat> so much negative energy is, is going out into the world about that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, uh, I, I'd rather just try to, you know, do things that make, people feel good and um people think you know like this is amazing to look at this does it make me feel a certain way or you know it's not pulling at any kind of heartstrings or pulling at any kind of um you know some kind of uh inner like conflict or you know you know social conflict and and that kind of thing so that's kind of where my work is yeah. i like to do very abstract 3d graffiti letters um, I like doing portraits and characters and stuff like that. I try to stay away from, you know, really painting like famous people or, mm -hmm. or inspirational people. <clears throat> but if I do, I'd like to, you know, try to focus. If I were to, you know, I'd try to focus on people that are powerful and uplifting and inspiring as opposed to, you know, dogging Donald Trump or, you know, dogging right. someone that's like negative because I just feel, you know, when you give energy to negative energy you're just giving it more energy yeah and it comes and it comes back it's like you know emulate what you want to receive totally so i guess mine is just trying to create an experience that i enjoy and that i hope other people enjoy without worrying too much about what i'm trying to create for them to enjoy it's more about like what i'm gonna enjoy so. yeah no oh, i love that so how do you go about um inviting artists so i mean this year you know you had Shepard Fairey, Cryptic. I mean, you had some big, big people come in. How did that even come about? Well, so before it was just like, it was just me and I invited like all the local graffiti crews and writers to come out and paint. Um, <clears throat> and then when it turned into a little more street art, uh, I was working with this group called Like-Minded Productions mm. and that was with Jonathan Lamb. And so he started helping me curate um, street art and inviting artists out here for that. And it was awesome. It was, it was a great, great movement in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, I started meeting more street artists and, and, and learning even more about that culture and applications and everyone's different styles and techniques. And it was amazing. <clears throat> and then shortly after, um, uh, the Rhino Art District um, started helping support us mm -hmm. uh, about three, four years ago now. And in doing so, they actually hired uh, John's partner, uh, uh, Lindsay, and she started helping raising money and, and curating and stuff like that and was a, a huge support, support system in that as well. So it was basically just kind of like us three at one point that were just kind of curating everything and deciding, you know, who got the paint, who didn't, you know, who, who, what, that kind of thing. Right. We wanted to have that, that whole range from the big international artist names to all the local graffiti crews to emerging artists and yeah. um, giving them a chance to, you know, paint alongside with each other and, and just kind of leveling that platform a little bit to, you know, giving those artists an opportunity to evolve and meet other artists that inspire them. Um, and then uh, last year, this, this year, actually this year, uh, we formulated uh, a committee mm. of some local artists street artists, graffiti artists, and artists that were in the community, um, artists um, and people that were in the community that were art supporters. You know, we had um, someone from the U we had Lisa from the UAF. We had, um, you know, some local business and property owners. And um, we had the Rhino Arts District on board and on this committee. And then this is the first year that we did a call for entry where everyone had the opportunity to apply. Mm -hmm. And then the committee voted themselves and then we pulled all the votes and then whoever got those top numbers was who we uh, decided to invite out mm -hmm. um and then as far as the international artists that was still something that was internally 
um, curated. Yeah. But I think this next year, I think it would be awesome to get the committee to come together and say, hey, here's our top 10 for each person, and then do that same thing and see, oh, this person made it across the board, so they're obviously coming in, stuff like that. Yeah. So my, my, my goal in doing so is to be able to provide the local artists and the local community a bigger voice in, in who participates as opposed to it being curated by you know me and a couple other people. Right. Yeah. Which works for a while, but as this thing evolves and grows, like, mm-hmm. I, I want everyone, to, you know, this is, Crush isn't something that I own or I've ever owned. It's not like something that I want to be like, this is just mine. Right. You know, this is this this is my movement. This is a community-based movement. And um, the more the community is involved and the more the community has a voice, the better off will be. But the community has to be willing to step up and take that role and 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 do so. So it's it's been uh, interesting to see how it's evolved, but I'm really happy um, with where it's going and what this next year is going to look like. That's amazing. What do you envision if, say, fast forward, if you could fast forward 10 years from now, what do you envision Crush to be? <clears throat> um, well, it's, it's turning into like a 360-day type thing going on. Mm. Um, I'm opening up a location here in Rhino called Headquarters. Nice. And it's going to be um, urban apparel, you know, spray paint, small gallery space. But we're going to do tours and workshops and stuff like that. And, and provide a, a space where people can come year-round and learn about what we're doing. Um, in 10 years, I hope to have made the right connections within the community, not only with you know developers and property owners and stuff like that, but um, people who write grants and you know being the nonprofit and and people who are good at education and, and work well with the community and opening up a, a youth youth-based nice. youth facility that's all like art-encompassing. You know, with recording studios and all that kind of stuff, uh, all all that like, kind of um, underground kind of art culture, you know, um, highlighted within the school. But it'd be, be free for youth, you know, ages 12 to 25. Yeah. And as you earn certain credit hours, um, you could apply for certain jobs and positions within the school, too. So it's kind of like this revolving door of... of keeping the community connected and having that voice and a, and a safe space to come and create and not like charging like you know you would have to for a trade school or, right. or, or college or stuff like that you know we have rec centers all over the place that you know are practically free for people in the community to come and, and like build on their physical strength yeah. I feel that we need a place for the creatives to be able to gather and do the same thing and and be able to participate in, in their growth and development um, without having to be charged an arm and a leg or having to be brought up in a certain part of, you know, the community to be able to afford to go to a certain type of school to get that kind of education. Yeah. So that's kind of my goal in the next five to ten years is to try to um, get it evolved to something like that. And to me, I feel like um, this could be a huge um, social change um, yeah. and, and be a platform for people to, you know, come together and... and 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 grow I, I think it's amazing i love that i love the sound of that i love the idea of that you've got a yes for me to help you in music <laughs> or in any way in coaching whatever i'm a yes yeah, was, to it <laughs> i mean i was in, i was inspired as a young man um when i was down uh, living down here in denver um there's this place called the spot mm. and um it was just like that there was break dancing rooms there was recording studios there's computer labs we had the whole building inside spray painted and decked out with characters and graffiti and nice. um, you know every thursday they did a free barbecue for the youth and like you could do community service there but then you could also get your ged and stuff like that wow. which i think is an important part but i i, I want to stay closer to that root of um having a space where these kids can come and create and, and yeah. create and, and feel safe within an environment and you gotta have you know yes the kids will be evolving into teaching positions and other parts and positions within that but there's always still got to be like the, that committee or that group of people that oversees things and is making sure that everything is 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 running right and things aren't getting weird and people are are treating each other equally and you know that sort of thing so uh it's going to take a while to build up to something like that but yeah. i feel like um denver and even uh, you know this five points rhino mm-hmm. local area whatever you want to call it right our district 
all these surrounding neighborhoods um, is is hungry for that. And I, I see the opportunity and I see the potential for something like that to sprout here, not only here, but probably in all kinds of other cities. And I, I feel like they're, we're in the end of motion for that kind of direction. And, and I'm just really excited to see, you know, if that can all come together. I believe in you. I think it'll, I think it will. I'm excited about it. And I mean, Denver is like, I I was just the other day, I was just like, God, I just love what is happening here. It's just like, it's becoming, man, it's just like growing and growing in all different directions, but like in, in a good, in a good way in terms of art. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to be in Denver. I'm glad I left Miami, I think like eight years ago and came here and it's been, it's been amazing. I love that. You know, it's funny you say that. Um, I I see I see from all angles. Like I I love the 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 new people coming here, and there's uh, so many new people from all over. I love that uh, the way that some of the direction and the development is going and the growth of this city. But at the same time, I see and, and hear the voice of you know some of these other parts of the community that are. You know, saying talking about gentrification and inequality still. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of it it, it kind of gets tricky, especially being in the position that I'm in, um, where I'm working with, you know, from local graffiti artists and graph writers who are just straight graph writers, and that's all I do, mm-hmm. all the way up to, you know, international artists and local like fine artists to, you know, developers and, and political officials and 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 city workers and stuff like that. And I often feel like I'm like a child stuck in a custody battle. Right. Like, you know, with, with change, there's, there's always going to be some kind of, um, negative conversation. It's kind of something that isn't, isn't quite hitting its mark. Um, and I think it's as delicate as we would like to be. It's, it's just, it's just the sad part of what it is, you know, like as areas develop, certain people and certain you know classes and, and, and unfortunately races kind of sometimes get the shaft on that and it's a delicate conversation to have and it's 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 something I think that we could be more cognizant of and be more careful and our approach and redevelopment and that kind of thing as far as like you know loan from housing mm-hmm. you know help and support for people and um so it's interesting to see like how things are evolving and changing and stuff like that. But I feel like Denver's doing a fairly good job. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the locals, if the locals could come together a little bit more and, and support each other, I think that would be amazing. But again, that's like that's a case by case individual scenario, like how that all works out. So to me, it's like it's it stabs and flows of any kind of growth and change and with growth is it's hard, but at the end, like a lot of times it could be good. And, um, I, I do feel like the, a lot of the locals here are, are are strong in their voice. And, um, you know, if they can just support each other a little bit more and and come together a little bit more, it would be uh, a lot better for the, the outcome. Yeah. Do you feel like there's a lot of, um, scarcity mentality around um artists not wanting to like create community or what do you feel like is the block there with, with creating more togetherness um i think a lot of it is language barrier and, okay. and then cultural change and like you know um with this evolving street art thing you're starting to see um more fine art and gallery stuff and, mm. critiques and like you're starting to see um people who don't know a thing about graffiti but like are all about oh i want this street art on my building because it makes my building cool and right people come here. so this is sort of um a little bit of animosity towards um it's starting out being a voice of the voiceless and um something that um empowered us to something that's being you know taken away and like it's it's being um changed into something that is just kind of blanketing what's really going on. Um, So I think we have to be very careful in our narrative and what we're doing and, and, and where we're going with what's happening. Um, But again, it's, it's, it's all about how we communicate because it's not just what you're saying, but how you say it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like uh, if more people took time to really sit and resonate with what's going on and, and formulate uh, a good response 
instead of just reacting, yeah. uh, I think would be a lot better off because um, I, I think we're a, a, a culture that is based off of just reaction. Mm. Um, and I think, um, you know, for lack of a better term, like Bigger Brother and like, you know, um, media and, um, you know, those sort of um, powers that they be are watching and can see that they can control masses just through, you know, simple happenings. Um, mm. what, what, what something Trump says can just turn my whole newsfeed into just garbage, yeah. for days, you know, and it just, I, I feel like people are just so easy to placate into that, into that division and that hate and separation that, you know, we forget that we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets, I mean, you, you can get stuck in a vortex. It's like, it's, and then 30 minutes goes, goes away and your whole day is gone and you're pissed off the rest of the day. It's not worth yeah. it. It's not worth it. You resolve anything. It's, Nothing. It's, yeah. Like, you know, there's problems and there's issues out there, but um, if you don't have, if you haven't taken the time to think about solutions and, and positive solutions and you're just coming to the table complaining about something, like, right. That's not helping at all in my eyes. Yeah, to me, it's it's almost like that's part of the problem. Instead of figuring out what can you what can you actually do, yeah. Right. So I know that you are a brand new dad, Ronan. <laughs> is that how you say his name? <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> how yeah. has um, being? How old is he now? Because he looks little. He's. Yeah, he's um, he's just coming up on three months. Oh. And, you know, the, a couple of days ago, three, four days ago, it was his first time um, um, rolling over. And, like, he's just definitely softened my heart mm. so much. And just watching um, each day his world getting bigger and bigger and, like, making the eye contact with him. And then, like, smiling and then he smiles and giggles. And it's just, like, <laughs> uh, it's such an amazing feeling. Um, I had my first child have a... a uh, my daughter's almost 16 mm. and she lives in Maine most of the time and comes out to visit out here. So it's a pretty large gap. And I was really young when I had her, um, which I'm, I'm grateful for because I, I definitely felt like it grounded me, mm. but I definitely feel like now I'm in a much better place, um, and a, a much better headspace um, to, to be able to, um, you know, dive into this a little bit more and, and, and feel a little more comfortable where, you know, I've, I've I've already done this, so I know what to expect, and it seems a little bit easier and a little bit like less less stressful this time, right. uh, because I was, you know, again I was young and I just didn't I didn't know all the things, but now I'm like, oh yeah, he's drooling a lot. That means he's starting to teeth. Like there's nothing <laughs> to worry about. Like, <laughs> you know, like for the first child, it's like every little thing you're like, oh my god, what's happening? With them? <laughs> okay, are they okay? Like so now it's just like it's a little bit it's a little bit easier. Um, and my wife is, is such an amazing woman. She's um, she's sort of the opposite of me. You know, she's 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 into the arts and she loves arts and she loves music a lot. But she's um, you know she she works at a hospital and she's um, at a regular s- schedule and like routine. Right. And very much like the house is spotless and she like I'll leave little messes and like I'll, I'm like my, in my mind I'm like I'll get to that later and she's like no, this needs to be cleaned up now. And like, he's just like <laughs> almost following me around like, oh my God, uh, this guy. But in a sense, it's good because it's kind of like uh, I'm wild and like I uh, I don't have a, an exact schedule or time or yeah. I have to be places and that kind of thing. Like I write my own schedule. I work for myself. Um, fly by the seat of my pants kind of thing. And like I'm out there like, you know, and it's kind of, you know, we kind of, she grounds me and I elevate her kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so it works out, and for a while there, you know, I've I was always into this whole fantasy fantasy of like wanting to, you know, date an artist and travel the world and paint with this person and just be creative with them, which is fine and that works for some people. But a lot of times, like for me, it was just like, oh, now we're in competition with each other or this and that. It was just a weird thing to try to navigate. And, yeah. You know, once I, I uh, I've known her for you know close to fifteen, sixteen years. Um, and then, you know, once we started dating, I was just like, this just feels so natural. Mm. Um, and you know, we, yeah, pregnant, we, we have our, our little Ronin and he's, mm-hmm. um, he's the, the light of my life. And like, um, I just every day wake up and am happy to be where I am. And every day when I go home, I'm like, no matter how hard my day may have been or, you know, what kind of difficult, 
um, encounters I may have had with someone's opinion about what I'm doing or opinion about this or, you know, social issues that are going on. Like I can go home and I see them and I just melt. Mm. (laughs) So that's amazing. Yeah. It's such an amazing thing to have in my life. It's such a nice, um, environment to have in my home life. And, as crazy as things can be out here in the streets and in society, yeah. like having that soft space to land when I get home is just, it's just so wonderful. That's amazing. What do you um, hold sacred besides, you know, obviously the wife and Ronan? Hmm. I would say um, still that ability to be able to create anything out of nothing um i joke around and say i could i could drop all this and leave all this and and draw napkins for the rest of my life so just uh being able to be a creative being and you know as crazy as things may seem here in the united states like really being um aware of how fucked up things are in the rest of the world yeah and how good we actually have it and how um you know there's, there is so much change going on and that um, if we focus more on positive and like, positive outcomes and and um, and trying to uplift each other that that could actually you know be the actual catalyst for what we want to be and what we were striving to be um, I would add a thing like even with with when Donald Trump got voted in office and and um, how everyone like where I was, hanging out watching the news just started crying and like mm-hmm. everyone was so sad and like all this negative energy and just mourning and, and it t- I thought to myself well what if everyone who felt this way instead stopped for a minute and like meditated and thought and like sent him positive energy like mm-hmm. yo you're, you're in a position you're in this position now like well, I want you to do good for us right instead like, of like, instead of wanting him to fail Right, and like wanting like to, to be right. Like I think people are so stuck on wanting to be right instead of wanting to be, you know, with each other. You know, like in in, in present. Like I think, um, you know, we I think I, I hold on to pouring positive energy into things and, and pouring that positive energy out will reflect back on you. Um, and when you're doing so, like. The world has a way of like testing you and throwing, you know, monkey wrench in what you're doing, um, and you just gotta persevere and keep going. And like, sometimes I'll you know, hit roadblocks like that, and it'll take me a while to process what's going on. But um, you know, I, I, I like to think that even with you know some negative things that happen, there should be some kind of silver lining, and there should be some kind of light at the end of those things. So I hold on to that that power of. Um, intention that power of what you do what you say becomes what you do and what mm. you do becomes what you are yes. um, and I feel like um, that's something that I just recently had to reteach myself um, you know things happened in my life you know both my parents passing away you know going through um, some struggling times where you know may have found dark areas in my life that mm. a lot of times artists sort of feed off of yeah like some of the, some of our our best work is when we're going through our hardest points in our life, mm-hmm. um, which I think we should be able to change that narrative. And, and some of our best work should be when we are having the most powerful and like moving and, and inspiring and good times in our life. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, I'm tired of this, like this narrative of um, the starving artist or like, mm-hmm. oh, so like he was so tormented. His work was so good. Like, I don't want to hear that shit anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm tired of that narrative of like, you know, artists can't be business people. Like, I think the more artists that are involved in business, maybe the better business would be. Yeah. Like, like um, so I hold on to, you know, like the ability to create wherever, whatever, um, but being able to recognize, like, what am I doing? Is this for the greater good or is this just feeding my ego or feeding, you know, into something that isn't serving me? So that's kind of like what I hold on to. Um, especially of, of recently, like, you know, there's always going to be naysayers out there and there's always going to be people who have opinions about this and that and the other, but if you're able to hold on to your, your authenticity and like the direction of what you're doing and not let people, um, people's opinions of you dictate who you feel you are, 
like then you're doing it. Um, so that's kind of what I. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I'm I'm a big like you're preaching like amen to all of that. <laughs> I, I mean, I had that a lot with music where I felt like I had to be. I had to blood, sweat, and tears, and cry, and all of that in order for songs to be good or gigs to be good. And starving artist mentalities, so much of that. You know, we all we've gone through that. And I, I am now in a, such a different place where I write from such a higher frequency. So I'm happy to hear you say that as well. That I definitely feel like a lot of artists have that power to change that narrative. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm really happy to hear you say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of that narrative of like when, when a, a, an artist passes away, they're like, um, one of the first questions is, oh, did they OD? Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. we're, so, we're so depressed and we're so sad that we have to consume, you know, drugs and alcohol to make ourselves feel better to the point to where we are blanketing when running from our issues. Um, and it's just like, that's, I don't want to, I don't, I hate that narrative. Like, yeah. young artist passes away, oh, they must have OD'd or it must have mm-hmm. been drug or something like that or suicide or like that narrative needs to change like we, we can't be losing our artists like that and that can't be the norm no so what would you say to a young artist that's coming up that you know really wants to be a graffiti artist and looks to you and says hey you know what can I do what what would what would three things that you would tell him or her to do one is to be careful what's inspiring you. Be mm. careful what you're feeding. Um, two would be to find a mentor uh, or a group of mentors and fully support and dive in and not only study and figure out the application of what they're doing, but the culture behind it, mm. where it's coming from, why it's there, what's going on. Um, Three would be in, in seeing all these things and, and inspired by all these things, still be true to who you are. Be yourself first and foremost. And give recognition to what inspired you to become who you are. Mm. So those are kind of like, they make, there's, a, there's, a, there's different levels and all that, but those are the basic three things. Those yeah, well, that's awesome. I so appreciate it. You're amazing. I really love what you're doing, and I support you. And I'm I'm around. So if you need if you need for this little community center thing, you better holler. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I definitely will. You got um, the the, and, D, the DJ music mentor right here. I got you. Yeah, and like I love, I, like I said, I love rec centers, and I love places where we can go and and, and build our our physical strength and our 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 sports and stuff like that. But again, I feel like we need one. We need places like that for the mines. I need, you know, there's libraries and stuff like that, but I just think like there's a, there's a new formula that should be developed that could really help elevate yeah. community and change and vote change. Yeah. It's like art is important. You know, music is important. Creating is, it's so important. So yeah. yeah. And if, if you look at the study and like the anthropology and stuff like that, they're always studying art. Mm-hmm. They're always, art is the voice of the times of what's going on. And yeah. Um, I think we need to just be able to elevate that a little bit more and celebrate it a little bit more and respect that a little bit more. I love that. So where can people find you? Where's the best way to find out about Crush Walls? Um, people can find me usually, you know, I'm out here in the community painting, doing murals, doing workshops, doing activations and stuff like that. But you can find me at crushwalls.org um, and you, there'll be you know, updates and stuff like that. You can find me on social media, um, on Instagram at dread I C R G O D. So that's dread I C R God. Um, you, or you can email me at dread at Colorado crush.org. Well, thank you so much, Robin. It was a pleasure having you. You can come back anytime and tell us what you're up to. Thank you. Allison. So that's it for this episode. I hope you have enjoyed my conversation with Robin. If you did, leave us a review. It helps a lot and I greatly appreciate it. I will also tag all of his information in the show notes so that you can connect with him on the socials and online. And if you're looking for a tribe that shares the same values as you, a tribe that is filled with like-minded creatives, a tribe that is supportive of your vision, mission, and dreams, then connect with me and your future best friends right now 
now on the Remix Your World Insiders Facebook group. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Just a heads up, if you are new to meditating and you have no idea where to start and are looking for a little guidance, I've got something for you. I produce something called the Mindful Mixtape and I'll send it to you. It's five guided meditations led by me all put to music. If you are interested in downloading this, text the words meditate now to 44222 and I'll send that to you now. Or you can find it at remixyourworld.com. 